Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Light the Fight. I am your host, David, and tonight I'm riding solo. Heidi is enjoying spring break, as she should, because she's been working very hard in college. I'm just kidding. Her kids are enjoying spring break. She's with them. So I'm covering her for her today. And also, I want her to rest up to get ready for a big episode next week. Next week, we are celebrating three years of podcasting here at Light the Fight. Technically, our three-year anniversary was in the month of March, but month of March was busy for us. So we decided to celebrate it in April. And so next week will be our three-year anniversary and we'll be having some great announcements because if you followed Light the Fight or if you're new to Light the Fight, we've been uh, just kind of cruising along, giving you guys some podcasts here and there, well, every week. And uh, with not any real direction or guidance, but now we found our direction, found um, where we want to take this, and we're going to give you guys the opportunity to influence our podcast in more ways than once. We're really excited about that. We're excited about taking our listeners and really forming even a bigger, stronger community with all of you out there. So again, we're looking forward to talking about that next week. But until then, I wanted to get into a topic that, um, well, to talk about something today that is one of the most, gosh, if I had to guess, this topic, this word is probably one of the most talked about things in all podcasts that have to do with relationships, self-help, and this topic is shame. We've done a number of topics on shame throughout our history in the past three years of Light the Fight. But this episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be calling this one Shame 3.0. And um, it all started from a conversation I had with um, a coaching client of mine um, this past week. And uh, this client, when they listen to this episode, they, they know I'm going to be talking about this. So when they listen to this episode, it'll be a helpful reminder to them. But also they're excited to hear about this. They encourage me to talk about this because it's something that's... Uh, a different approach or a different angle, so to speak, to looking at shame that they'd ever considered before. So let me give you a little um, a little background before I get into this. Um, first off, if you're new to this podcast, you're probably not new to the concept of shame. If you're not new to this podcast, you know how we've referred to shame and how we've gone into deep discussions about how it can affect us, how it can cause problems and challenges in our life. And then most importantly, what do we do with it once we have it? How do we get rid of it? How do we um, help ourselves navigate through it so that it's not a crutch for us and doesn't stop us from meeting our goals and our full potential in our life? Today's episode is going to be a little bit different though. Now, today's episode is what I'm going to call for advanced listeners. Now, when I say advanced listeners, you may be in a position right now where you've read, you know, all of Brene Brown 
Brene Brown's books about shame. You've listened to this podcast. You've probably listened to other podcasts, listened to other books, and you have a deep understanding about shame. And you're ready for a little level up, a little, little something extra. So before I start out this podcast, just want to let you guys know that I'm not attempting to reinvent this topic. Um, I'm not trying to share with you guys, you know, new new insights that have never been seen or heard of before. No, I'm just trying to add, sprinkle a little bit extra on top of it for those of you who are ready to understand how shame can be a tool and how to not just avoid it and to navigate through it and to fight through it, but to actually how you can use it for yourself. Now, some of you, as you're listening to this episode, you may not be in a position that you're ready to to take this suggestion or these suggestions, these thoughts, and this advice. Well, even if you aren't at this place, and, and you'll know pretty quickly, <clears throat> what I suggest you do is just sit back, grab your favorite drink, and just listen to what I have to say, because what I'm about to share with you is next um, the next level after someone has been able to identify their shame, identify what triggers their shame, um, work through many shameful things in their life. And, and once you've got that all together and put in place and you have, you know, your, your own, um, your own style, your, your own way and your own system of dealing with shameful things, in your life, this episode today is going to be for those people and people in that place. And if you're not in that place, just keep it as a little placeholder, knowing that this is something to look forward to. So here we go. Shame 3.0. Have you ever heard of the saying, have you no shame? Let's talk about that for a second. Every time I've ever heard that, well, every time I can think of that I've heard that statement or question, have you, have you no shame? It's usually been in the context of someone pointing out to a person that they were doing something that was dishonorable, something that was out of character, something that they have knowledge of that they shouldn't be doing. And yet, for whatever reason, they were doing it anyways. So this phrase was used as a reminder not to shame a person, but reminding this person that there are certain things that we do that we can say that we should be ashamed of because it's not who we are. It's not representing what we're all about. And it's not how we want to be remembered. You know, in today's world, there's, there's a lot of things that people, and I don't want to get really deep into the whole entire cancel culture and, you know, people getting in trouble for things that they've done in the past. But I do want to use it as an example. In the world we live in today, whether you agree it's right or wrong, and, you know, obviously every situation is different. There's a lot of times, um, in fact, I can't think of a day that doesn't go by where there's not a celebrity or someone that um, is getting called out, getting in trouble, having to apologize, and in extreme situations, losing their job, their employment, or as they like to say, getting canceled. And these are typically things for things that 
the the topics I'm talking about is things that people did or they said in the past. Now, let's say a 40-year-old person is called out for something that they said 5, 10, 20 years ago when they were much younger and before life had really, you know, got them in those situations for them to do better and to learn that those things were wrong. Or maybe they were just called out for things that they said behind closed doors that, you know, they didn't really mean. They were just talking trash and didn't think it was going to come to haunt them in the future. Well, at those times, you hear a lot of people apologize and you hear a lot of people saying, you know, I'm ashamed for my behavior. You know, looking back at what I said or what I did in the past, it's, you know, that's not how I think or feel. I was upset, I was angry, or I was young, what have you. And in those situations, people will confess that they are, they do have shame for mistakes or things that they did in the past. And usually when they do that and they apologize, they're hoping that by acknowledging their mistakes and by acknowledging, you know, things that they did in the past, that they will be forgiven and that they can learn from that experience. And that shameful experience can be almost like, um, it's almost like a, a, a painful reminder or like, um, you know, a pin that's dropped like on GPS, like a, a location. It's like, hey, at that particular mark, that was something that you did that was out of character or something that you regret. And so don't ever do that again. As we all know, painful experiences, shameful experiences can be great teachers in many ways. Now, I'm not referring to the, the things that people are shaming you for, like if they're body shaming you or shaming you for, you know, just things that you can't control, like, you know, <clears throat> your, your sexuality, your race, you know, your religion. When I say things you can't control, I mean, I'm like things that are just part of who you are, right? I'm not referring to someone shaming you. I'm referring to things that you've done in the past or things that maybe even done recently that you're ashamed of your behavior because you expect more of yourself. This type of shame and this type of shaming is much different. As I was talking about in that example with using the example of people that, you know, are celebrities that made mistakes in the past, they apologize. The, the hope is that when they apologize and they think about their choices and what they did, that they can learn from that experience. And that experience can be a growing experience so that they can become a better person. Now, Usually the way someone becomes a better person is that they have to acknowledge it and they have to recognize that that's not who they are and they can do better. And in fact, they're going to demand better from themselves. So this is the type of shame 3.0 that I want to discuss. Once you've got shame understood, meaning like the, the things that you've been shamed of in your past, ashamed of in your past mistakes that you've made and the things that people have ridiculed you about or, or shamed you about that you were not deserving of. Once you have control of that and it, that shame does not cause you to hide, doesn't cause you to not do things that you want to do in your life and doesn't cause you to, to stop you know, being who you are and, and being honest with yourself. Once you get that place, I found and many people that I admire and look up to have found ways to use shame as a tool to properly motivate yourself. And this kind of dovetails off our last conversation that we had here on the podcast when we're talking about being scared of the right things. 
And if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to that episode. I, I felt it was a very great episode with Heidi and I talking about how sometimes motivation comes from being scared of the right things. So for using shame as an example, if you made a mistake in your relationship with your kids or with your partner, your loved one, or a relationship at work, and you know that was your mistake, being honest with yourself and owning that and moving forward from that is being scared of the right things. Because everyone's scared that they're going to look stupid, that they're going to be mocked, made fun of, and judged. But if you're scared more of being a person who's not taken seriously because you're not honest with yourself and you're not acknowledging your faults, your mistakes, and the things that you've done wrong, then I would say that's being scared of the right thing. I think it's healthier to be scared of ruining your own reputation or making a long-term mistake just to protect your ego. So shame 3.0 and using shame as a tool is something that, like I said, I've learned over the years as I've become more confident with who I am and where I'm at. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I always live my truth. And it doesn't mean I'm always honest with myself, but I've gotten a reputation with following through with what I say I'm going to do. If I tell someone I'm going to help them, or if I tell someone I'm, I'm going to get back to them, you know, I, I do. You know, it may not always be in, in the timeline that they'd want me to, but I get back to them. If I tell a friend I'm going to call them, I call them. If I tell someone, hey, you know, I'm going to pay you for a service and they did a horrible job at that service, I don't, my own, you know, rule of thumb is I don't negotiate with them and try to convince them that I need to pay them less. If I said I was going to pay them that, I'm going to pay them that amount of money. And I'm probably not going to work with them again if I felt that their service did not equal the amount of money that I paid them. So how I've learned to use shame, and this is something that, you know, I want you guys to think about and take it to heart and see if this is something that you're in a place that you could do. And, and if not, again, it's all right. It's all good. You don't have to use this. Just when I was talking with a client recently, she and I were in this conversation and she realized that the place that she's at in her life right now, she was so worried about her partner, um, her intimate partner, um, using her, her flaws, the things that she's not good at against her. And she was so busy trying to focus on defending her honor and, and proving to her partner that she was confident and that she was capable of doing you know, everything she set out to do. And in those cases, she was always feeling like that our partner was shaming her. So after a long time of us working together, she recently has evolved to a point where she's now understanding that she's confident with herself enough so that her partner, that um, they've broken up, they're, they're not together anymore, but her partner can say things or maybe doesn't even say things. Maybe her partner's just suggesting that she's making mistakes, suggesting that she's not good enough and in her job or, you know, in her role as a mom, what have you. And instead of, you know, taking those things to heart, she understands that that's her partner's opinion. Hence, they're not together anymore because she doesn't share that same opinion. And after she's been in this place for a while, man, it's great to see this woman blossom and grow and just to really look at herself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm not where I want to be but I am who I'm supposed to be right now. And I like where I'm going, right? Just having those really positive, you know, thoughts for herself and 
not being, you know, drugged down in, in the depths of, I should have done this, I should have done that. And she's really in a better place. So recently in our conversation, we started talking and this kind of naturally came up, this type of conversation. And she asked me, you know, in a roundabout way, she, she was like, kind of like, you know, like, what do you do? Like, now that I'm in this better place, what do I do so that shame can never get the best of me again? And I said, oh, ho, 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 au contraire. Now, I can't remember exactly what that means in French, but I think it, it fits in that sentence. So <laughs> I said, why would you want to be absent of shame your whole entire life? Like completely be shame-free and completely protected and safe from shame. And knowing me, she was like, okay, this is one of those trick questions. Dave, this is a setup. Something's going on where he's trying to do this like Jedi thing that's like making me think about something that I wouldn't normally think about. And so she thought about it and she's like, because isn't shame bad? And isn't sh the goal to never have shame? And I was like, but what if you could use shame as a tool to keep yourself disciplined and to be your own best friend, your own best counselor, your own best coach, so that you never go back to the place where other people can shame you and have power over you? She said, well... That sounds a whole lot better than trying to avoid anything that triggers my shame because she obviously has less of shame than she ever did before, but she thought about it. I guess after someone is, and this is kind of not her words, these are my words, but roundabout way, she's like, I guess a victim is always scared of being hurt. I guess the goal is, and she's speaking for herself, is for me to not worry about how do I defend myself but put myself mentally and emotionally and physically in relationships and situations where I'm not even in the need to defend myself from other people. I'm the one that can turn up the heat and push myself to see what I can really do and who, who I can really be. See, this young woman, she wants to be strong, resilient, anti-fragile. She wants to be able to push herself beyond her comfort zone instead of just being safe. Her initial goal was to not, to be, to not be hurt and to be safe, and to be confident. She checked all those boxes. Now she wants to be a bad boss, as she says, a bad boss B, you know? If you know what that means, then you know what that means. If not, you can imagine, right? The B word, but this is what she calls herself. She wants, she was saying that in a way like, she wants to be tough, not a mean person, but just like tough and strong, can handle whatever comes at her. So in this conversation, it led to this. I shared with her that no one shames me anymore. The only time that I feel shame, and when I say shaming, like long periods of shame, I, I feel bad for things and I feel ashamed of things, but not like where I'm like sulking in it and it's really affecting my mental, emotional health. I say the only person that's allowed to shame me is me and I use it strategically. So she was like, please do tell. So I'm telling. I listened to some people a long time ago, and these are people that I admire. And when I say I listened to them, they weren't giving me this advice. I just watched them do this. I saw them in tough physical situations wanting to give up. And I could tell. If you've ever seen it in yourself, you can recognize it in someone else. You can tell when someone wants to quit, when they just want to tap out, they want to give up. And they have enough reasons in their mind why they shouldn't go on anymore, and they should just let it go. 
and quit trying so hard. And I watch a handful of people that I really admire be up against something. It wasn't always physically, but the one I'm thinking about was a very physical situation. And then as I saw this person wilting, just about ready to quit, this person said some horrible things about themselves out loud in front of me. And I was like, say what? This person, I'm not going to repeat the words because they're quite a lot of profanity, you know, stuff like that. But it went something like this. Are you going to sit here and let this weight and this difficult thing happening right now cause you to quit? You didn't quit when you had cancer. You didn't quit when this, and they named like two or three things that were like horribly tough things, way tougher than what they're going through. And they said, then if you quit right now, then cancer beat you. You didn't learn nothing. And I remember listening to them and I went dead silent. I was like, Ooh, this just got interesting. <laughs> I was like, what the, they were shaming themselves in a way that only they could because they knew their past. They knew their history and they knew that what they wanted to quit on right there at that moment paled in comparison to these other horrible challenges and stressful things that they'd been through. And at that same moment, I saw themselves just get this intense, like eye of the tiger and they said, and they pressured through it. What I saw at that moment was their wanting to quit was far more psychological and emotional than it was physical. And I was blown away. Because at that time, I was like, I would not even admit the things out loud to another person that they were saying out loud in front of me, but they're doing it as a way to sh positively shame themselves to kick their own butt. And ever since that happened, I started to notice that in other people. And oddly enough, every time I heard someone do this, it came from a person that I respected or admired in some way, shape, or form. Not that they were a perfect person, but they had accomplished great things in one area. One person was a business person, and this person was extraordinarily successful. And after working with this person for a half a day, it wasn't even a full day, this person was horribly hard on themselves. But you know, there's that fine line between being hard on yourself where you're like just ridiculing yourself and beating yourself up. But then there's that other hard on yourself where it's like that coach that you trust this coach so much that they're like the only person in the world that has permission to speak to you in such a harsh way and you respond positively from it. And when I saw that in certain coaches talking to certain players, there was a trust in that relationship. That player trusted their coach so much that they knew the coach wanted the best for them. They knew there was no ill will. There was no like trying to hurt their feelings. But the coach saw that this was a psychological, mental, and emotional block and barrier. This was not that the person was not capable of it. The person felt and believed that at that moment, that not doing it was easier than following through. So shame point three, so shame 3.0, in my perspective, is learning the art of how to shame yourself as a tool in a positive way. But this can only be done from people that have their feet underneath them, that are grounded, that are ready for the next evolution of life. 
when I listen to um, high endurance athletes, you know, or a- any athlete that's at a very, very high level, successful people at a high level that have, in my opinion, a balanced life to some degree, they seem to have figured out how to perform at a high level and have family relationships that are happy and positive and be able to manage business and personal life. When I hear people like that talk about how they will go out of their way to like to really make themselves feel a little bit of a sting and a pain to remind them that they're capable of so much more, I see that as something that I want to emulate and and I want to, you know, do. Now, I'm going to confess one to you guys. Now, I'm a little extreme. If you're a listener, you might have picked that up by now. So I'm going to share one with you. Now, this is an extreme example. I have much softer, kinder examples. But I got uh, an example of what I do when I'm working out and I'm I'm dealing with some, you know, some pain because I'm old and I got a lot of injuries. So for me to work out, it's like I have more pain with certain workouts than I do enjoyment because I just physically, I shouldn't even be doing it that hard or in that type of way, but I've committed to do it. So I work out with a group of guys that uh, some of the, we all played at the same uh, college at, uh, for football together. And uh, every now and then we'll be doing a set of, you know, of exor- uh, an exercise and, and I'll be in this set and it's like, you know, say we got to get to like, you know, 12 reps and I'm eight and completely just gassed out. Now, in my defense, these guys are all beasts. Like these guys are way more jacked and buffer than I am. And they let me come along as like kind of like a novelty because I think I make them laugh or whatever. But I'm out there and, you know, my one buddy is really supportive and he's sitting there. He's like, come on. He's like, come on, cause you got it. Because that's what all my boys call me. They call me cause. And he's like, come on, cause you got it. And I'm like, I know at that moment I don't have it. And so I'll tell him. <laughs> Can't believe I'm admitting this on podcast. <laughs> I'll tell him I said, Clarence, because this, this is what his name, his name is. C Law is his name. Was C. He's like, what? I'm like, tell me my mama didn't love me. He's like, what? And the first time I said it to him, I go, tell me my mama didn't love me. And I'm like, like literally in the middle of a rep. I'm like, tell me my mama didn't love me. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. He's like, your mama didn't love you. I'm like, tell me my mama abandoned me. He's like, Okay, he's like, he's looking at me going, I can't believe I'm doing this. But at first he thought I was joking. So he's like, your mama abandoned you. I finish every single time. That set, when I tell him to shame me like that. Now you may sit there and go, man, that's kind of sick and twisted. Well, you're right. It would be sick and twisted if I knew, if I didn't know for a fact that my mom didn't abandon me. My mom loved me. My mom didn't love herself. Even in all the craziness she was going through in her life, she made a conscious decision to allow me to be raised by my grandmother to give me the best opportunity. I've already done that work in counseling for years. I've dealt with my mommy issues. I've faced that fire. I know what it's like to cry and to wonder how come I wasn't good enough and all those things. And now where I'm at, every now and then, I need a little kick in the butt. Now, that's a rare one. That's the extreme one. I don't usually use that one. Usually I'll say things like, you know, I'm running on the treadmill, whatever, and I want to give up. I'm like, 
What if your kids were in danger? And they were, you could see them just half a mile away. But in order for you to save them, you had to sprint at full speed when you're already tired just to get them. So I'm looking at my at my treadmill. I'm like, I got a half mile left. I want to quit. I don't think I can do it. And it's really a mental quit. I say, that half mile, what if that could save my kid's life? Are you going to sit there and let your kids die? Are you going to not be there and not show up for someone because you want to quit? I do that with work. There's days where I've heard so much depressing stories and so many hard things that I want to cancel on some of my clients because I just want to feel sorry for myself. And I tell myself, did you join this job to have an easy job? Did, did you decide to do this because you couldn't handle people's emotions and feelings? Did you go to counseling and work on yourself all these years just to become a guy who says, I don't know what you should do. Uh, go read this book, go do that. And just to tap out and not give your best to these people that are paying you money, that are trusting in you to show up on your A game. So sometimes I got to shame myself. And I tell you what, with my exercising, with my job, with my wife and with my kids, the other day, my kids, they got these little things called Beanie Boos. Some of you parents may know about that. My kid's like, dad, come play with those Beanie Boos, Beanie Boos. My daughter's all in it. My, she wrote my son, my little boy into playing with her. I'm like, come play with us. And a lot of times I'm tired. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it in a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's time for them to go to bed. Something happens, I don't do it. The other day I was like, do you want to be sitting there one day saying, why didn't you play Beanie Boos with your kids who want to spend time with you? Why did you just get on another you know, podcasts and listen that. Why did you, you know, respond to more emails? You could have done that stuff anytime. Like all you had to do is play with them. Like you would have had fun. And so I tell myself, well, you want to be the dad that has those regrets sitting there at your kids, you know, graduation and, you know, like feeling like you missed out on all those opportunities. No, go upstairs, grab a freaking little kitten or cat. Cause Beanie Boos are like little animal toys, like stuffed animals and go play with your kids. And I did that the other day and I was so glad that I did. Last night I was too tired, but my kids want to play Uno. How long are your kids going to want to play card games like Uno with you? I'm like, you better get your butt up out of your bed, go out there and play Uno with your kids and quit feeling tired. Yes, you had a long day. Everybody had a long day, but don't be a sad dad. Get up there and do it. And then after I started playing Uno with them, I had fun. It was happy. I loved Uno. By the way, Uno was the one game that me and my biological grandmother played all the time. So there's a special connection there. And I felt closer to her. I had to shame myself to get past my mental, psychological, and emotional, and even sometimes physical roadblocks. So for all you listeners out there, please, in summary, I'm not saying shame is good, but I'm saying shame's part of the game. Once you master, once you really put it in check, then you can master it. And in my opinion, mastering it is not trying to make it so that you never have it. That's like saying someone that's had bad things happen to them, saying, let's make sure nothing bad ever happens to them again. And that's the way that they're going to feel good about themselves and not feel like a victim. No, let's help them see that they're, that they're very resilient. They're capable of being anti-fragile. They're able 
to do much more than they realize they could do. And their past is a learning experience and a story. And it's like in the military, it's like stripes on the sleeve. It's like those stripes identify that you went through hard times and it's not who you are. It's just what you went through. And now you can handle a lot more. Shame 3.0 looks at this from a basic perspective. We're all going to be playing the shame game. So might as well master it. And mastering it means conquering it, getting over it, figuring out, identifying what shames you. And then in special occasions, turn on that shame for yourself when you're ready, just like a really good coach, someone that loves you and has your back. Because if you can shame yourself in a positive way, that shows that you are capable of being your own best friend and your own best coach and your own best counselor. And at the end of the day, in my perspective, I want to teach people how to be their own best coach, their own best counselor. I don't want people to need me for the rest of their life. I want people to pick themselves up when they're down, pat themselves on the back when they deserve it, and put themselves in check. And if necessary, remind themselves, using that little shame 3.0, that this is not who you are. Get your butt up off the couch. Go in there and play Uno with your kids. Speaking myself, of course. Do your homework. You know, you're going to graduate school and working three jobs not to feel sorry for yourself. You're doing that to be better and have a better life for yourself. You signed up for it. You take it. You handle it. And you got it. And as Heidi would say, if she was here, thank you for helping us to light the fight. Oh, and by the way, follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Give us a review on light the fight uh, on Apple, if you follow on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a review. Uh, share this podcast with your friends and tune in to next week's episode because we got some great things that we are going to need your help with, ideas how to make this podcast better. And I'm looking forward to hearing your suggestions and ideas. And until next time, be cool. And like I said, thanks for helping us light the fight.